0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
2: Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe It Raiders podcast, from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackman. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Rout. Stan, let's begin with the embarrassing loss to the Chiefs. Give me your thoughts.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, uh, wow. Man, I think that watching that game, it starts to make me question what's going on in the locker room. And, you know, one of my good friends told me years ago, even back when I was playing for the Open Raiders, he used to always ask, like, man, how's the locker room with you you guys? Like, Because, you know, if you don't have that team camaraderie, if y'all aren't together, it's not going to show up on Sunday. So Sunday's game, with the very first play, obviously, the fumble that wound up being the 22-yard uh, fumble recovery touchdown, and then you see obviously Hunter Renfro trying to do everything he can. He he coughs it up, but the last one to Zay Jones, and the way Zay Jones, and I don't want to go ahead and just put this all on him because it's not. But right. the way Zay Jones, but the but the body language after the fumble, the the nonchalantness, That's what makes me now question, okay, what's going on in the locker room. Has Rich Passaccia lost lost the team? That's something that really rained hard to me watching that game. Listen, the Chiefs are a great football team. There's no doubt about that. Pat Mahomes, Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, whatever. But, like, the Kansas City Chiefs are not 89 to 23 points better than the the Raiders. They're not that much. You give up a 40-burger twice in the same calendar year to the same team? Come on now. So that's why uh, it's getting to the point to where I'm wondering what's going on in the locker room. Are the players actually playing for each other? Does it seem like the players like each other? Do they like the coaching staff? Do they believe in it? Because you can lose a game. That's football. That happens. But to go ahead and actually watch that game with the way it just seemed that so much of a snowball. Because, like I said, I get it. The Chiefs, they're playing good right now. The Chiefs ain't no damn L85 Bears, DA. They ain't no damn Chris Jones, Frank Clark, ballers. Terran Matthew, baller. No doubt about it. But come on now. They make the 85 Bears. So that's why, like I say, uh, it makes me really wonder what's going on in the locker room internally because the Chiefs are good, but they're not that much better than the Raiders.
2: Yeah. You know what, Stan? I mean, this game to me was kind of over before it started. and Ngakwe gets the team. He has the brilliant idea. Let's huddle up on the Chiefs logo. I mean, oh, my goodness. What are you doing? And then, like you say, the very first play of the game, Josh Jacobs fumbles. I never even saw the ball pop out. I honestly thought, yeah, here. I'm, back. I'm like, that ball's coming back. There's no way he fumbled. Then they show the replay, you know, and the Chiefs scoop it up for the touchdown. Stan, these two teams have been playing since 1960. This was the Raiders' worst loss in the history of this rivalry. Now, you know, look, at the Raiders are still in the playoff picture. I get that, but I-, I do really think they're done, like you said, with questioning what's going on in the locker room. They've had the coaching change. They've lost both of their 2020 first-round picks. Because the off the field incidents, I feel bad for the fan base. Once again, I mean, it looks like another lost post, you know, season. No postseason since 2016. I don't feel like that streak's coming to an end. I just don't feel like there's reason to believe that the Raiders can turn this things around. I mean, even if they finish ten and seven, the AFC picture is so muddled. Yeah. I, I don't know if they can make it. I, I really don't. Now, with that being said, I don't think these games moving forward are meaningless. I mean, I, I want to see, you know, some of these younger guys get in. Divine Diablo, you know, Malcolm Kuntz has had a couple sacks in back-to-back games. You know, some of these other guys who might be playing for contracts next year. I mean, yeah, but it's hard at the same time, Stan, not to look ahead. I mean, as you've mentioned, Basashi, has he lost the locker room? Who's going to perhaps be the Raiders' new head coach next year? What about Mike Mayock? Is he coming back? Is Derek Carr going to be back? He's only has one year left on his deal. I mean, we're not going to know these or these questions to these answers, but... I think you got to think about it. And, and bear with me. I texted you this earlier, but this is my Christmas wish list. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start with the GM. And I'm going after current ESPN broadcaster, Lewis Riddick. He played six seasons in the NFL, including a stint with the Raiders. Stan, he's been a scout with the Philadelphia Eagles and Washington football team. He's also, on two separate occasions, been a head of director of player personnel. He has total of 13 years working in the NFL front offices. Last year, I know we interviewed for both the Detroit Lion and Houston Texans GM positions. He was rumored to have been a very close second for the New York Giants when they went with Dave Gettleman instead. Pretty sure the Giants regret that decision now. He knows this Raider organization, and I feel very comfortable with him in charge of it. Now, to me, his first order of business, find an offensive minded head coach. And I don't have to look very far, and that's Eric Bieniemy of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it's twofold. One, you're going to wound somebody, a rival within your own division. And then listen to these numbers. He's been calling plays for the Chiefs since 2018, Stan. Kansas City's been to a pair of Super Bowls. They won one. The Chiefs offense has finished first, second, sixth. And this year, they're in top 10 in points scored, even with all their struggles. And the final thing I'm doing, I'm calling Seattle and I'm calling Green Bay. And I want to know if Russell Wilson's available. And I want to know if Aaron Rodgers is available. And I want to know what the price is. Now, look, I'm a fan of Derek Carr's, and I really am. But at this point, he's been here eight years now, Stan. And one playoff appearance. And you know, Stan, in most places, a quarterback gets three or four years in one place. And if they haven't made the postseason, it's time to move on. And maybe a change of scenery would be good for Derek as well. Because I'm not saying it's all on Derek. Because he can't block. And he mm-hmm. can't play defense at the same time. But I just think maybe it's time to part ways. I, I, I really do.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, to your point, I think uh, Louis Riddick, I think that'd be a fine hire. Eric Enemy, I think that'd be a good one as well. Still kind of makes me wonder why for so long, it seems like he's a bridesmaid, never a bride. Sometimes I kind of wonder, okay, is he saying something wrong in the interview process? Is there something he's not doing that these other guys are doing? Who knows? That's a story for another day. Uh, As far as Russell Wilson and as far as Aaron Rodgers, I think that uh, obviously he's still playing at a high level. Maybe he's going to be available. I don't see why Green Bay would just want to go ahead and be willing to give in his demands, even though maybe they're not going to be able to come to to an agreement for some reason. I think that they will be able to come to something. I think Russell Wilson probably seems like the more likely option as far as who's going to be available, uh, just based on everything that's happening in Seattle right now. And it seems like Russell Wilson is still uh, open to the idea of other teams. When you see, when you still see reports, so yeah, I mean, go ahead, kick the tires, clearly see if Russell Wilson is available, if Aaron Rodgers is available. As far as Derek Carr, obviously one playoff appearance in eight years, and even that playoff appearance, he wasn't even available for because he he uh, he broke his leg. But I think that in this, in this game, you got Tom Brady, Drew um, Drew Brees is already retired. You got Tom Brady. You got. Russell Wilson, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Josh Allens, you got the Pat Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons of the world. You got those guys now, the Kyler Murray, go ahead and put him in that same category. But I think once you get past that top six, that top seven, top eight quarterbacks, and you could even throw Dak Prescott in there if you want, once you get past that top six, top seven, top eight quarterbacks, if somebody's not that definitive upgrade I can see why you go ahead and just stick with the girl who bought you to the party, and I think that's why Derek Carr has lasted for so long in the Raiders uniform.
2: But would you extend him, Stan? He's got one year left on his deal. I, I just wouldn't. I mean, yeah, you want to have somebody in place, but I don't know if I would extend him. I don't. I think I could. Go ahead. I could
1: see. I could see the Raiders extending him. You know, two-year deal for I don't even know what the number is per year, but whatever gets him in that top 15, top 12, top 11 ranking annual per year salary, whatever that may be. I could see something like that, more like a two-year deal, one year, uh, you know, the last year's an option year, something like that. But as far as, you know, five years, $125 million, you know, five years, $160 million or whatever the quarterback's signing for nowadays, no, I definitely wouldn't do that. I need to see more. But at the same time, like, do you really want to go with the stopgap guy? Because – you know, in today's game, I'm not even sure where the Raiders are going to finish at throughout the season, but they're probably not going to have a top five pick. Correct. And, you know, right now in, in today's college football landscape, you got to have like a top 10 pick if you want to get one of these quarterbacks. Uh, so if you're not going to finish in the top 10, be able to draft some top guy or some by some stroke of imagination where. All the stars line where you know a Tom Brady is actually available on the open market. You know it's really, really hard to get an upgrade. So that's why you see a lot of teams like the Daniel Jones of the world, Giants are sticking with him. You see the Broncos went and got Teddy Bridgewater, who's more of a stopgap. You saw the Washington Football Team actually went and signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you know, obviously there's so many, uh, there's so much left to be desired, or should I say, left to the imagination with a Derek Carr, but I think it is just so damn hard finding that guy. And then once you identify somebody who is that guy, can you get to him via the draft trade uh, signing, things like that. I I just think it's so difficult. That's why I can very well see Derek Carr still being the quarterback for the Raiders next year.
2: Like you said, it is difficult, but I think if the opportunity presents itself, you do whatever you can to, to make it happen. And Stan, I I looked at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You mentioned Tom Brady, you know, so many guys now want to go play for Tampa because of him. And then yeah, before Brady got there, I I didn't know this. The Bucs hadn't made the playoffs since 2007 and they had just two winning seasons since then before winning the Super Bowl. I mean, like I said, I don't know if A-Rod's going to be available or Russell Wilson, but if the chance is there, do what you have to do and go out and get them because you know what guys want to play with guys like that and chase that hardware, man.
1: No doubt about it. Like I said, if, if, if they're both available, you definitely have to go ahead and try to go after. Them. No doubt about that. That's 100%, you know, and just the thing is, is like, uh, when you look at the Tom Brady's of the world, uh, everybody wants to go and play with them. It's so comical to think about it, but Tom Brady literally called up a team and said, Hey, y'all want to go win a Super Bowl?" And then they're like, I mean, sure. Why not? You know, let me go and get my
2: wallet real quick. Um, and then Antonio Brown goes it. there. Gronkowski goes there. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, Leonard Fournette. So, you know, like I said, if it's there. Go after it. So, all right, Stan, the Raiders are three point underdogs, and the over under is 40 against the Cleveland Browns. Last year, the Raiders went into Cleveland in awful weather and beat the Browns by 10. Make the silver and black and do it again, then head to bet online. It's back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEE50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Raider Nation, our guest this week played five years in the NFL, including four of those with the Oakland Raiders. He played his college ball at Purdue and then was selected in the third round of the 2004 NFL Draft by the Silver and Black. He and Stanford were teammates for three years patrolling the secondary for the Raiders. Raider Nation, let's welcome to the podcast, Stuart Schweigert. Stuart, welcome, my man. Hey, thank you.
3: Thank you so very much Dude. for having me, Dennis. And Obviously, anytime time I get to get around some of my former teammates, especially yeah. a defensive back yeah. like Stanford Rout, I mean, we we had a lot of good years together, three good years together. Yeah. You know, he came in after me, and uh-huh. um, I always enjoyed the time that I got to spend with Rout on and off the field. Man, you know, before we go any
1: further, man, I remember this, right? I remember this is, I think, maybe oh nine, ten, eleven, 9 10, 11, something like that. And one of our DB coaches at the time, Kevin Ross, he always told us, he's like, guys, he said, when you're done playing, he said, you're not really going to miss the games. Yeah. Like, you know, what, that's whatever. But he said, like, the thing you're going to miss the most is just the locker room talk, the interaction, the camaraderie, that's, the you know, things like that. So, now I'm right there with you, Stu. So, I, I definitely feel you on that because that's the one thing that I always go back to is more – the interactions more so than like games or practice or whatever.
3: I do want I do want to say this real quick. I reconnected with Randy Hanson today and Randy Hanson really? says, yes, Randy Hanson says, hello, he loves you. I'll shoot you his number, man. He's down in Dominican Republic down there living it up. Yeah. 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 Go shoot me his number, man. I wow. I will. That really will. takes it back. Wow. Interesting. Yep. yep. So, wow. so that was, that's kind of the thing, Dennis. one thing I kind of told myself. This would have been probably Stanford maybe three or four years ago when I, I started to notice people were just – I didn't know where they are at or they were passing away, or all of a sudden I'm like, man, when's the last time I talked to somebody? Yeah. So I made it a point to trying to, like, reconnect and get back with
1: guys. And, you know, that's why I, I remember – let me see here. I didn't go to any of the alumni weekend celebrations, no. like, in Napa Valley to start off training camp. And so I may I remember I went to the final game at the Coliseum in 2019 against the Jags. Uh, we lost to them. And I remember I did the same thing. I started making make it like a conscious decision of, man, I need to start being around yep. more. So I uh, no, me, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Definitely.
2: Stanford, you mentioned that final game it was two years ago today. We're taping this on a Wednesday. Yeah. And two years ago today was the final game ever at the Oakland Coliseum, and unfortunately, the Raiders uh, blew a lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars and lost, and they were throwing nachos on the field and every other kind of debris (laughs) that you could think of. All right, uh, Stuart, you are paying homage, I guess, to Stanford, rocking a – is that a Clyde Drexler University of Houston basketball jersey? That is Yes, D.A.
3: Clyde Clyde
1: the Glide, baby. Like, D.A., how do you not know what number 22 is? With either rockets or cougars on it. Well, I, I slam a jam. know who it me. is, but
2: I gotta just you know make sure like, throw the, I throw that, You know, I think I. I mean, I know Clyde the Glide. Trust me, I'm old enough to remember if I slam a jam. And sorry, Stan, I remember them getting upset watching the game. North yeah. yeah, Oh yeah, I know. Sorry, Stan, but I do remember. I'm old enough to remember that game. <laughs> that's, that's
3: the that's the that's the Jimmy V whole deal, right? Yeah.
1: That, yeah. Exactly. No man, oh, fun times, man,
2: fun times. It actually
3: this actually does play into us being teammates because rob ryan on saturdays we would have a short walk through um for home games we would get there at what around 6 a.m 6 30 Some, yes something like that something like that yeah. have southern cafe which oh boy it, yeah. it was like I, I know i know it was like a, it was like fried chicken like pork chops greens uh it was all good food but not yeah. at 6.30 in the morning, but anyway, so we'd watch mm-hmm. film and then we'd go out and do a walkthrough. And Rob Ryan was like, Hey guys, instead of wearing our jerseys, let's mix it up and wear like your high school jerseys. Yep. And some guys didn't have their high school jerseys. So he goes, you can wear throwbacks. So that ever since that day, that would have been my first home game. Um, I went and I bought a Dan Marley, Central Michigan oh, uh, okay. throwback. Cause he was my favorite player okay. in Michigan. And mm-hmm. I, ever since then, I started collecting throwback jerseys. I think I have over like 350 of them. God damn! What's yeah. your favorite? Chip. Oh God! I probably, probably, probably my Dan Marley, Central Michigan, just because it's it's original. It's forty four, and it's like again from my state. But I always tried to get like, like players that people are like, who that? Who is that guy? Or yeah. like, you know, guys that maybe had some drinking or drug problems or something like that. You know, get their <laughs> jerseys and yeah. so. Or, or what we would do is, I tried that Saturday, whoever we were playing like represent that city somehow. Mm-hmm. So, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, you did
1: that. Very I good. I think,
3: route. Well, you always wore, didn't you always wear, a, what, Pat Jones's Oklahoma State Barry Sanders jersey? Yeah. Uh, or a Robert, whoever's jersey that was, Winks yeah. or somebody's, I remember. Uh,
1: yeah, that's who it was most of the time.
3: So, Stuart, what have you been up to these days? Oh, geez. Uh, well, uh, let's see. Here's the Here's the quick summary. So, Oakland to Washington to New York, to uh, Detroit, then I played in the United Football League for Omaha Nighthawks in Nebraska. Uh, while my family lived in in Saginaw, I would just go out there for the season. When I got done with that, I, I owned an indoor football team called the Saginaw Sting for four years. Uh, we were in the Intercontinental Footdoor, Intercontinental Football League. I was actually the commissioner of the league for two years. I was in charge of ten teams in six states. Uh, sold that, I had a limousine company for a little bit, had a training business called Impact Training by Stuart Schweiger, started to have kids, uh, started to see some of the issues from concussions. Um, I was in a uh, workers comp claim in California, where I had found out that I probably had over 50 to 60 of them when I played.
0: Concussions? Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yep. 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 Um, and we we can talk about that a little bit, but yeah, so the concussions and then, um, you know, my impulse control, my thought of consequence, um, my prefrontal cortex was damaged. So, um, you know, like just basically my brain turned at 33 or 34 from a, a, a 34 year old professional to about a 17 year old kid. And I'm doing things that doesn't make any sense. And I don't even know why I'm doing it. My wife doesn't know why I'm doing it. But luckily, through therapy and medication and, and seeing the right people, um, we we had we at that time we had two kids. Uh, there was nothing really up in Saginaw. I mean, very depressed when you talk about Saginaw, Flint, Detroit, I-75, all the uh, you know auto industry. Mm-hmm. So we moved down to West Lafayette, Indiana, where Purdue is. Yeah, uh, my wife, my wife was an all-American hurdler here at Purdue. We've been together for 20 years. Uh, we have a 12-year-old daughter, Cameron, an 8-year-old daughter, Emma, a 4-year-old son, Alex, and a two and a half-year-old daughter. Um, Avery, but I actually went down here because I had my own radio show for a while, um, but I, I left that, and then I, I did. I was the uh, uh, facilities director at the YMCA, and because of the anxiety and and, and just the way that corporate America is, and Ralph, I don't know if you've ever had a job outside of football, but the way that people operate and treat you, man, it's, it's disgusting. And yeah, it's different. It, for us, I don't have that off switch, so if someone said, like, I can't just bite my tongue anymore, so... <laughs> Luckily, Same Same um, I was year. awarded total and permanent disability in March, so now I'm a I'm a retired stay at home dad of four, and I I'm I'm in a nice little routine here. And, and you know what's great is during this whole COVID thing, I would a year and a half ago, two years ago, I'd say there's no way I'm going to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation with somebody over a computer screen. Yeah, but now like it's changed. Like I I like this for for me. This is my social life. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I don't have to go out. I don't have to dress up. I don't have to spend money. I don't have to worry about how am I getting home or whatever the case may be, but I can have a conversation with you, you and Dennis. And it actually feels like we were actually in the same room together. So agreed. my wife's a nurse and, um, that's it, man. I think that's, uh, that's (laughs) everything fills everything in there. Yeah. And I just got reconnected with the Raiders this past August after me leaving in 2007. And I'm Mm -hmm. so happy to be able to do it.
2: That's fantastic.
3: Any any kind of stories that about Stanford that
2: you
1: can maybe share with us during your playing days? <laughs> oh man, there's one. There's one off the top of my head that like comes to well, mind.
3: I would. Here's the deal with Route. Like, you know, Route. Route was a social guy, but Route also he. You were kind of a your your own little person. You know what I'm saying? Like in my he, own bubble. Yeah, he would just, you know, he'd come out with us sometimes, but other times he just, we didn't know what he really did, you know, I mean, but he was, he was always fun when he went out with us, <clears throat> um, but we had this in 2007, it was a, uh, cr- a Christmas uh, Secret Santa, like thing mm-hmm. with the, between the BBs, and, you know, you, d- you draw the names and we oh, had, yeah. yep. in the, and actually I have, I, I have the film of this too, by the way, I'll have to send and make copies of it and send it to you. So we, we had to get like each other like stupid gifts or or whatever. Well, and I think this is probably one of the reasons why what you know what I'm gonna split. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I remember it now. Oh yeah, I remember it now. Go ahead. Uh, it was probably the reason why I, I, I got cut so early in, in my career. But so routing Al really liked route. Right. That was that was his boy. You know what I mean? That was root, root. Right, and then and then Willie Brown called him, always called him Lazarus, because he he's always be he'd always be sleeping, and he'd be like, he rose from the dead, Lazarus, wake up, Lazarus. So I said, you know what? I don't know what to get, Route, and then I'm sitting there, um, and I'm looking at the cover but, of Brokeback Mountain. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm just staring at it. And I'm going, huh? Let me see if if I can. So I went. I, I probably spent Dennis. I remember me and my wife Chrissy, who's you know, Chrissy and Route. My wife knows everybody too, and we're. I'm going through every picture I can find of Raul and Al Davis, and you won't be able to see it too good. It won't do it justice. But I want. I'm gonna have to send this to you. But what I did is that I I took the like the and it's there. I I traded the pictures. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is so good. But oh, each goodness. one, uh, yeah. But like, like and that I just. It wasn't really, I mean, it was just oh, I remember that, that was a crazy, funny George. thing. And then I think, now, hey, I think listen, about six hey. I think about six months I, or about six months later out cut me. So I don't know if it had something to do with that <laughs> or what. Now, hey, listen, there's one other one that you forgot, Stu.
1: And I wanna say this was oh six. And hey. I was I was on scout team and you remember I believe it was shoot was our offensive coordinator. Shoot, John Shoop. And and so uh and i I I'm on scout team and I forget I'm doing something just that I shouldn't be doing. And, uh, and shoot walked up to me and he said, uh, he said, you're going to put this jersey on. (laughs) And for the rest of the season, Stu would walk up to me. He'd be all right. I know what you're going to do. Oh, That's
3: right. I do remember that. I do remember that because yeah, he he punked you hard, dude. He came at you hard, man. What kind right. of jersey was it? No, it was a uh, like like scout, you know, scout team defense. Yeah, you know, like, like uh, the you wear like a the like nylon little, like, little orange like <laughs> yes. like exactly yeah. yes. It's so and they're man, always a the pain I, in the, the pain in the butt to get on, and you're only on there for a little bit, so you you'd usually wear it around his neck. Yes,
1: <laughs> and, yeah. And Shoop told me he said, he said, you're gonna put this That's jersey on. That's right. And so for the rest of the season, Stu would be like, I know what you're gonna
3: do. You're gonna put that <laughs> jersey on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yep. Man, I tell you,
1: like I said, it's players. Like that happened what 15 years ago.
3: But like as well, players. I, well, I think it hold on. Like, like I, you said, you always
1: I, remember it's like, yeah, and, and I don't know, 15 years ago, man, like, and as players, DA, we always remember those things, like, no matter how much time passes, no matter how long ago it was, like, we always remember those things, but yeah. It's, it's crazy
3: because through. I don't, like, I, want, I paid my mortgage one time three times in a month. I don't know where my keys are at right now. I don't know what I had for, for dinner tonight. But when we, like, coming back, back in August, like, like, it was like, we, we yeah. had just left practice, and we just, you know, and it was like, we just picked right up. And it was like, you remember, and, it was, and we're finishing each other's sentences, and it's just like, that just brings you, like, right back to yeah. that moment. And even yeah, just seeing, even, like, seeing your teammates, it's almost like seeing a, a form of memorabilia. Like, it just, you go Absolutely. instantly, shoo, right back yeah. to Alameda.
1: It always uh, – it, it kind of – it's almost kind of like time kind of freezes, kind of, yeah. sort of, because it takes you right back to that time period you were at. It's like nothing ever changes.
2: I mean, we've only been on here, what, about 10 minutes? I could just tell the bond that you guys have. And like you said, you haven't played, what, together in about 15, 16 well, years? Yeah.
3: I mean, oh I, I, the first time I saw a route since the last – well, last practice in 07 before I left uh-huh. was in yeah. August. And really, probably. I don't even know if we even talked.
1: Wow.
3: Before that.
1: Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I mean, like, that's sort of, it It just, it's kind of weird, you know? Um, and I say that because, like, I think the last time, and I sued up with this guy for several years, the last time I even saw or talked to Namdi was I, yeah. in the last game of 2010 season. Last game. He's on
2: Broadway now. He's in the movie business. He's big time.
1: Yeah. 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 I've been, I've been seeing him uh, do some things like that. Yeah. They're Washington.
2: in your four years with the Raiders. What do you remember the most uh, playing with that? I I, got to say it was a little dysfunctional uh, when you were there. It might've been the height of the dysfunction.
3: Wait, wait, wait. When I was, I mean, I think it. They're pretty much always that way, aren't they? I mean, isn't there always? <laughs> okay, look, I'm old enough to remember when this was actually one of the, I mean,
2: marquee yeah. franchises in the '70s, '80s, and '90s, winning and going to Super Bowls, and then from 2003, really? yeah,
3: for us, we were pretty quiet. We didn't have anyone making national news. No one got arrested. I don't think. No one. Uh,
2: well, you had the projector with Lane Kiffin in 2007. That was pretty infamous with Al and the projector when he announced oh
3: oh, yes
2: yes yes
3: i mean when, when
2: he fired him he had the overhead projector and he brought out the projector with the cause for why he was firing
1: lane oh now hey now listen now like now backstory on that this is after Stu left and and you know and i can't exactly blame lane for this because you know in life you're always trying to get somewhere well Lane always wanted to be the the head coach at USC. Right at the mm. time, at the time he was the receivers coach. Pete Carroll was still there, so he knew that taking the Raiders job,
3: he, he was. I him. thought, I thought he came from Fresno. He came no, from He was, he was a, a quarterback
1: at Fresno State. He was okay. a quarterback
3: there. Yeah, okay. but he uh, he
1: came from USC where he was a receivers coach. So okay. him then going to become the Oakland Raiders head coach. Puts him in line now for you know college head coaching position. Any yeah, so, any job he wants really. Exactly. So so when he took the job for uh, with Oakland, that he already knew like what his he ultimately Lane wanted to be the head coach at USC, and going to Oakland was gonna help him a resume builder,
3: so, a resume so, builder.
1: Exactly. So around so 2008 comes around, and. Lane is actively trying to get fired. Actively, so, oh,
3: I remember that. That's yeah. Right.
1: So I tell you this: we're we, we're playing Seattle like we do every year in the preseason, last game of the preseason in Seattle. And Al already had decided all the starters weren't gonna weren't gonna suit up. So me, let me see. I'm playing nickel back that year, and we played so much Nickel. Robo thought of me as a starter, so I wasn't gonna suit up for the last game against Seattle. So all of a sudden, Lane finds out like an hour, two hours before kickoff, and he's like, "No, f- that, like, Ralph's gonna suit up and play." So Robo and Wink, Don Martindale, defense coordinator for Baltimore, right now, they're like, "Okay, well, Ralph, just go out there. Three plays, it'll be three and out. We'll get you up out the game." So just to make sure that Lane, Lane want just he want to make sure Al sees his insubordination. Lane has me go out there is one of the captains during uh the coin flip just to make sure that Al sees that I'm out there and he's going against Al's wishes that was just one of the things that that uh that Lane did to try to get
3: fired but yeah no, he
1: he definitely earned his firing from Al
3: right well, when I when I was here this past at the Kansas City game uh and I was talking to um uh, Rod Martin our who was our head trader yeah yeah, he he said that there was another instance where, like Al at home, uh, Lane wore the white jerseys, and Al never wore like the white jerseys at home against and at San
2: Diego. Against the Chargers. That, yep, I was at that game. Yeah, against the Chargers.
3: That was a huge deal. That was mm-hmm. a big deal, dude. That that's that's
1: like the Dallas Cowboys. You saw the jerseys that the Cowboys wore against the the Washington Football well, Team last yeah, Sunday. Yeah, that's not. That's like the Cowboys wearing their blue jerseys at uh at AT and T Stadium. Like you just they like don't just, right they, they yo, don't no like no you, just,
3: no you way. just don't
1: do that you know what I mean?
3: Yeah so yeah he, yeah. I, he, uh... I,
1: I, I remember that and it was it was like the fourth game of the year. I think we were up and then San Diego came back.
3: But I remember that game distinctly. Yeah, we were wearing white jerseys at home. Those are they think the cool I'm really jealous. I didn't get a chance to wear the white jerseys with the silver numbers. Didn't you have the silver? Num- that that was 09. That was 09. Oh, okay, okay. Throw, throwback,
1: throwback, year. Oh, 09 throwback. With, with the patch. Oh. We wore we wore that on to open up the season against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. We lost that game at home,
3: right? You wore the white yeah. at home that night, right? At yeah. home,
1: and then and then I think we did it because Tom Cable was Tom Cable was our head coach then. And then we played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And I think we wore it then as well on Thanksgiving the eighteenth. You have that jersey?
3: Uh yes, I have it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have it. Yes. But That's uh one but, yeah, thing I'm so,
3: jealous of now is after games, how the guys can trade jerseys, man. Yeah. I, I they, love that.
1: I like love you that. never did that? We I mean it, we, it wasn't it wasn't as big of a thing, DA, as it is now. Okay. You know what see, I mean? We had
3: to at the end of the year like sneak our last like jersey out of the yeah. bag just so we could take it home with us. But yeah, like I, school.
1: like I see I see guys that they're they're doing a jersey swap after every game. Every game. Yeah.
3: Every yeah, game. Like after every, every game. game.
2: Yeah. Well, you go into yeah. some teams' locker rooms and the guys have like six opposing jerseys just in their locker alone. I guess they clean them out, you know, at, at the end of the season. You know, yeah. I, I heard an interesting story about the, the those silver numbers that actually those are the Raiders. That's what they wore early, like when they were founded in the early 60s. But now just complain so much couldn't you couldn't see them. read the numbers that the league made the Raiders change the numbers from silver to black. I don't know if that's any uh, if that's there's any validity to that, but that's that's the story that I heard so
3: our our junior year we switched from champion to Nike at Purdue okay and had the idea of you know, instead of all these other universities putting black in their uniforms, we actually had black uniforms. And we went with gold. They took all the black out. So we had gold with these white numbers. Nice. And like, uh-huh. it was the same thing. You can't, you could, like, the announcers yeah. couldn't see them at all. Okay. Now, let, hey, I want to ask both of you
1: this. <clears throat> Speaking of of jerseys, I want to know where both of you come out on... With the
3: single digits right now?
1: Yeah. I ah, know, dude. Like, oh, I. And maybe this is. Maybe this is. Maybe this is what makes me an old head. Whatever. I don't like it. You know, like, like it looks weird. It does. When I see, yeah. when I see a, when I see a free safety with the jersey number seven, or right. you know whatever, and I see a corner who, number one, like that seems weird as to me. So like, I remember uh listening to Tom Brady talk one time. As a quarterback, when you're so used to okay, the guys with the numbers oh, in, the, in the, yeah. the guys with the numbers in the 50s, they're the yeah. linebackers. The guys with the numbers in the 70s and 90s, they're the D line. The guys with the numbers in the 20s, they're the secondary. Like I can only imagine how difficult it probably is to identify the mic, to know exactly, you know, who is who, things like that. So I just want to I just want to hear y'all's take. You know what?
2: I'm not crazy about it, but I'm also old enough to remember like. Cliff Branch wore 21. Fred yep. Litnikov wore 25. Harold mm-hmm. Carmichael from the Eagles were 17. And I thought at the time it was kind of cool because they were the only ones doing that. But I'm not a fan of like Deshaun Jackson wears one. I don't think I like the single digits. I still think like if you're, you know, wearing the double digits, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But single yeah. digits like uh Diablo or linebacker, he wears five and is the middle linebacker. I'm like, that just looks strange to me.
1: It but, does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I get it. That's the way that that's the way the world is now going, and the NFL is now finally starting to catch up to the new generation. I get all
3: that, but it, man, it just looks weird as shit to me. Like it, it does. See, when I was coming out, my my favorite number was nine because of Dan Marley, so I had to switch it up. So I was jealous for the fact that I I could have worn nine, but you're it just it it doesn't it it, it looks it looks it looks like uh, kind of JV footballish a little yeah. bit. But I do know this, you talk about like picking up the linebackers, you knew this route, you did kickoff return, I'm assuming, a couple times, right? The yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, so Dennis, you know, you you're, you get there and you're tackling, you know, I have the L3 and you're looking and you go, okay, 22. Okay, cool. Also, you look at that thing's got a 53 jersey on and you're going, dude, I got to block some like third string, like all ACC, like, Heisman Troll, like a national championship winning like linebacker that's trying to make the team. And you're like, yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> like if you see a fifty jersey, you're like, oh no, this isn't good. But now, yeah, I guess you don't, you don't know who's who.
1: Nope. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it just, it, it's just different. But like I said, yeah. that's that's probably just the the thirty eight year old in me. But uh, it just seems that's man, the man, Lazarus.
3: Just, that's the Lazarus. Yeah, do.
1: it dude. It, it seems it seems weird. But like. Full disclosure, if I was still playing right now, oh yeah, because I wore number eight. Damn it, I wanted
3: to guess that. I wanted to
1: guess. I was, I was, because I wore number eight back in college, I would definitely be out there left corner wearing number eight.
2: All right, what other Raider great wore number eight? Uh, uh, Dante Culpepper, Hall of Fame, uh, Ray Guy, Ray Guy, Ray
1: Guy, Guy. Boom, Boom. (laughs) Mm, interesting
3: ba baby.
2: <laughs> Stuart, you intercepted four passes in your
3: career with the Raiders. Can you name the quarterbacks you got? <laughs> yep. So my first one was against Miami at home um, against um, uh, Gus Farrat, And uh, it was kind of cool. Nick Saban was the head coach. Nick Saban recruited me when, I, when he was at Michigan State before I went to Purdue. Uh, the second one would have been uh, this one right here, Brett Favre. In Lambeau, um, which just Lambeau Field and Brett Favre, like I grew up in the Midwest, man, and like Favre was just like a throwback yeah. tough football player. He could, he could throw that thing, dude. He actually, yep. we were playing. Actually, he burnt, he burnt us. right? we were playing cover four on that side, and someone got behind us, and we didn't. I don't know what we were doing, but we mm.
0: they
3: yes. scored on me and you. Yes. I remember yes. that. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, Brett Favre, one of the best ever do it. Then Houston – or, sorry, against Houston, me and Raul back there against Sage Rosenfeld. Rosenfeld.
1: Rosenfeld, yeah. And
3: then uh, Jake Plummer and uh, Mile High. And then I'll have to say this, Michael Vick in Atlanta when they won the NFC Championship uh, my rookie year, but it was called back because Tommy Kelly was a little quick off the (laughs) snap.
1: I hate when that happens, dude, but yeah, yeah, trust me. I've been there. I've been there, man.
3: All right, fellas, (laughs) let's turn our
2: attention to the Raiders. Browns game on Saturday in Cleveland could be severely shorthanded, perhaps 15 players. Coaches have tested positive for COVID, including starting quarterback Baker Mayfield and head coach Kevin Stefanski. They need two negative tests before Saturday's game if they hope to play. If not, Case Keenum would get to start. So let me ask you this, guys. As competitors, as former players, do you want your opponent at full strength or at this point of the season, the Raiders basically fighting for their lives? They have not played well as you guys. Who gives a crap? We just need a win.
1: Route, you, Rout, you go first. <laughs> well, for one, as a competitor, you never want to play your opponent when they're at their weakest. You just don't want to because you don't have any bragging rights after that. You know, if the star running back, the stud quarterback, the star defensive end or safety or whatever aren't playing. It doesn't. It doesn't feel the same. Just man to man. But in the uh, in the same regard, it still counts the same in the win column. So right now, if I'm a Las Vegas Raider, we're desperate for a W. We just beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and then peed down our leg against the Washington Football Team. And now uh, on Sunday, giving up, what, 48, was it, to the Chiefs, or 49? 40, I, it was awful. It was, it was, uh, it was nice. up there. It was up so, there. Yeah, so, so now right now, internally, even though I prefer to have beat my opponent at his best, that way I have bragging rights, internally, I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm actually happy that they're going to be not at full strength. That way it gives me
3: a better chance to win the game. Sure. So, for me – um, take them how you can get them, baby. They're hard yeah. to get. I don't. It's hard to win games in the NFL. It's hard to win games in college and high school. It's hard to win games in a rec basketball league. Yeah. So anytime you can have a chance to, here's the part that sucks. So because wow, I feel like we've had those games where a team was like, this dude's out and this dude's out, this dude, and then you go out there and you lose and you're like, what just happened? Yeah yeah trust me is it human nature to let up up? in
1: some in some you don't want to but in some way psychologically i think that's what naturally kind of do i think you naturally kind of do
3: for me like for me i I was a big visualizer like if i'm if i'm visualizing and thinking positive usually positive things will happen and i don't think like it's not like at practice we're going slow or during the game you're going slow but there's just this thing in your mind where you're just, ex- you're just expecting to win. Yeah. You know I mean, and then, and then like all of a sudden when it's not working out all of a sudden, before, you know, it, like, it's too late.
1: Yeah. And I think that um, that's why the Bill Belichick's of the world. Yeah. like that yeah. Are really worth their weight in gold because I think whenever you're playing against a team, obviously they're not a full strength, all of that. It really comes down to coaching and leadership. Like, can you find ways Finish like, it out. Yep. Pretty, pretty much like Bill Belichick's the only one that knows how to do, this. but like, he's the, like you, you got to still find ways to keep your guys motivated, yep. engaged, yep. Yep. you know, focus all this that, and the other. And that's really hard to do as a coach to coach grown men who already know they're playing against the team without the star quarterback, without the running back and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's when coaches get lazy. That's when coaches get lazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, a a coach that can find ways to still keep his guys engaged, knowing that, yeah, you know, this week it's Alabama versus, mm-hmm. you know, Valdosta State, like, and still have your guys engaged,
3: I think coaches like that are worth their weight in gold. Well, no, so I, I think one of the things is, is, is at the college level, it's a little more prevalent, but even at the NFL level, like, Coaches should be coaching the same way they coach that first OTA and that last playoff practice, whether it's get to the ball strip, wrap up, wear your eyes, stay low. What, what do you break it off of? Right. And because the more the coach does that, and as a player, if it's not a habit to you yet, it's hard for you to, to concentrate on that. A coach, a good coach is going to, Hey, I said, stay low, stay low, stay low. Where your eyes, your eyes, your eyes, you know, and after a while, it just, Starts to happen, but then if the coach backs off, you start winning games, right? Right? Uh, route yep. like bad habits kind of get covered up because we're winning, and then mm-hmm. it only affects you when it affects you, right? And if a coach isn't consistent, and he's not, and no matter what, it's 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 about that consistency. And I think guys like Belichick and you know Parcells and you know these guys, you know back in the day, they they just they did things. The same way every time. But, you know, we had a coach in 2006 that did things the same way every time, but we weren't winning. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we gotta switch, we gotta change it up, man. Like, that only works if you're winning, bro. Oh,
2: my God. Was that two two and 14 that year, unfortunately? Hey, hey, listen. Hey, listen. You guys, that was a good defense, though. It was a very good defense. Number
3: one overall pass, number three overall
1: deep. Yep. Listen, that year, and we talked about this at the Chiefs game that Sunday night. DA, I remember training camp. We were having a, a practice, I think. Out, uh, Art called us all up. He basically told us that we weren't practicing hard or we weren't practicing worth a damn. And then he said, it's not even your fault, it's your upbringing. Watch Yeah, it? That's what 53 men said right then and there. Same thing.
3: Oh. Yeah. Oh.
1: What? It's not. So it's, DA, it's like, Let's say, uh, da. Let's say you don't eat healthy, whatever. And I tell you, it's not your fault. It's your upbringing. Like you can't get more disrespectful than Ralph, telling me,
2: Ralph, than telling me, dude. my parents
3: didn't raise me right.
2: We're having a bad podcast, Stan. I guess it was our upbringing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, Route, dude, you're okay. Route though, like you, you reminded me. I forgot all about this. No, it wasn't. You remember, he said it's okay. Y'all were just brought up soft. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what he said. He goes, "You guys, hey, it's not your fault. You guys were just brought up soft." And I'm thinking, "Hey, listen, you want soft? You
1: want to, you want to talk, you want to talk crazy to me? You want to curse me out? Whatever, that's fine. You're not gonna tell me that my parents didn't raise me right. Like, you're not doing that. You want to talk about me? Fine, whatever. But you're not gonna disrespect my parents. Like, you're not doing that. It was, but, it uh, was. Yeah. it was, Archel, yeah." <laughs>
2: Even know how you go back to practicing after hearing
1: something like that. Well, I mean, I personally think, me personally, I think Art lost the locker room. I think he lost the
3: team early on throughout training camp, in my opinion. He, lo- he lost it when he cussed out Rob Ryan for walking in like two seconds late from a conversation from Al Davis in front of the entire team, Dennis. Wow. Called Rob Ryan out. Yeah. Said, we got mother coaches walking in to a our first team meeting late. I mean, like, well, I was like, everyone just kind of was like, uh, what the hell? And then Rob, like, he goes, hey, coach, I apologize. he's like, sorry, but he goes, I was talking to Al. Oh, now you're being condescending. That's I, a fine. That's a fine. Yeah, you're that's right. Oh, that's wow. right. He fined him. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm thinking I've never seen – a coach get reprimanded, yeah,
0: in
1: front
3: of and, the players.
1: And da, the worst part about all of it was the the seven o'clock, the seven eight or eight a.m. meeting started whenever he walked into the room. Oh
3: yeah, so like,
1: so if you're if it's an eight a.m. meeting and you're walking through the facility, let's say seven fifty-seven, you're three minutes early. Yeah. But if he starts it at 756, yep. Yep. you're late and he'll find you. Oh, that's that wasn't right.
2: No
3: way. So you'd have to be there like seven forty or maybe even seven forty-five. But he would also he that's would also kicker. find he would also find some guys the max and other guys he wouldn't find at all. So I'm like, you know what, if you're gonna be a jerk, just be a jerk consistently. Everybody. Yeah. To everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But uh but that yes. Was, no. It was yeah, a long yeah, year, yeah. man. It was a, a long year. Long.
2: Well, I'm sure as a player, trust me, as a fan, it was because I remember the offense couldn't score. I, I, I think they didn't score an offensive touchdown in like the last three or four games. And I, I went to, trust me, I went to a handful of games that year. And, didn't they have yeah. four
3: sacks in a row on offense? Didn't, didn't Walters get sacked four oh, times in a row? He got, he got, in yeah.
1: Baltimore? She, I think the offense gave up like 70-something sacks that we, year. It's we, like got, eight, we, we got blanked three times that year, twice on national TV. Did we?
2: Yes. Seahawks. Chargers, Seahawks.
1: Seahawks. And then there was another game. that was just a regular Sunday afternoon game. I just forget. But we got blanked twice on national TV. And DA, today is December 15th. So in a regular NFL year where it's 16 games, you still oh got one, three games left. Right. DA, we actually took the pads off around this time of 2006. We took the pads off. We were in pads
3: all the way up until right now. Wow. Pants. And then we gotta yeah. hear about uh Denver having just a on a Wednesday a hat practice, and they're like eight and two, and we're we're two and you know, two and eight, and we still have full pads on, and we're like, okay, oh that's God. Just, just keeps trying yeah. to squeeze the blood out of a turn up here. No, yeah, no it's, kidding.
1: It's uh it's very easy to lose a team, man. It's a coach, it's very easy if you don't do it the right way.
3: Like well, let me ask you this though. On. The players, though, I never felt like there was any. Did you feel like there was any dissension between? Like, I, I thought everyone was still pretty. It, it was, it, but it was like,
1: how can I put this? Like, it was one. I put it like this, dude. And let me see, Faye, Namdi, you, and who was strong safety that Ronaldo? year? Ronaldo. That's right, Ronaldo. So I hey, can tell you like this, there, Like for me as a player, obviously I'm the nickel. No, I think T. Pool was our nickel back that year.
3: Oh, but the thing,
1: the, the, th- the thing, the thing is, is that when you know going into the game, okay, let me make sure that I do my part. Let me make sure I put on a good showing. But as a team, because of the way we practice, prepare this yeah. and the other, yeah. you know that more than likely it's going to be an L. Then it doesn't mean you want it to be an L. Sure. But more than likely, it probably will be. So I think that. He lost a lot of the team, not, for, not from I don't want to play hard, but from uh, I don't believe in you. I don't think you're the right guy for the oh, job. God. I don't trust you to lead us type of standpoint. I mean, should you remember? I like, do think about it, right? I remember, I remember, I forget where I heard this from. I forget, but like Moss. That year, Moss used to always go upstairs and either talk to Al or whoever and let them know, hey, this ain't going right down here. <laughs> this needs to get fixed. And then it just got to a point where he just stopped going upstairs because it was like, it's not changing. No. Let me just go ahead, p- finish out the year, do my part, and then hopefully I can get up out of here in the offseason. Then, you know, he got traded to
3: New England. rest is history. You know, you had Art Shell as the head coach. You have Irv, uh, Jackie Slater, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, as the offensive yeah. line, assistant offensive line coach, Irv Eatman, 16-year veteran. Sure. Yep. And I'm asking Robert Gallery and Jake Grove, like, what the fuck is like guys like he goes, Stu man, we'll ask him questions and you know what they'll say? Just block them. Yeah, but if the if if the mic's coming down and they shifted, do I step? Just block them. So there was there was no there was no co- I mean, and again, wow. talking about pros, but still we still need direction.
0: Yeah, gotta have I mean direction,
3: there was man. still you know, Ron Curry and Lamont Jordan and Jerry Porter and Moss and Courtney Anderson and Zach Crockett and you know, we had guys, but they they just they were there were there was just no direction. There, there was just they were just lost. All two. right, let's
2: get back to the uh, yeah. Raiders Browns game. the Raiders offense has sputtered, as you guys know lately. And they're going up a good a good Browns defense led by Miles Garrett. He's got 15 sacks this year for the Brownies. Jesus. He even scored a defensive touchdown last week against the Ravens. What do you put his sack total over under uh, against Derek Carr in the Raiders offensive line on Saturdays? Stan, I'll start with you, man.
1: You know, let's let's go with the over under. Let's go with the over under two and a half. And that means he's gonna alone. Have is gonna games. get two and a half. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying the over. We'll treat the over under two and no, a half. No, but and just two. that player or the whole. Just player. him. Just just him. Okay. And I I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under. Do How they give up last week? I don't even know. And that was
2: <laughs> there was no Miles Garrett on the field. Let me tell you, I know Frank Clark and Chris Jones are are good, but they're not Miles Garrett. And Derek just had no time last week against the
3: Chiefs. You said he said two and a half, and you picked under. Yeah, I'm picking under. For one, dude, I'm gonna have to go under. He, well, yeah, exactly. Under, I, I, yeah, I'm, gonna, I, go under. I'm yeah, gonna go under. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say under, man. I'm gonna
1: say under.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. I, uh, well, they gotta help. it. Whoever he, wherever he lines up, they gotta give help. They do. Because the Raiders offensive line just the last couple of weeks in particular has just. Is
3: Leatherwood still playing? Is he at guard still? Or is he, did he get hurt? Yeah, I think he's at
2: guard. Who, who, I'm sorry. Leatherwood or Leatherwood Leatherwood's right? still at right guard. Yeah. He's okay. yeah. Yep. Yep. He needs a lot he's of help. Out. All right. One positive note though, has been Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro three straight games, fellows of eight plus catches and over hundred yards. Now players who have done it four straight in the same year since 2010, this is pretty select company. Michael Thomas of the Saints, 2019. Antonio Brown, 2070. DeAndre Hopkins, 2015. Odell Beckham in 2014. Demarius Thomas, same year. Calvin Johnson, 2012. Wes Welker, 2012.
3: What was it again? What was it again?
2: So players who have eight-plus catches and over 100 yards in four straight games. Oh, okay. So Hunter's done it three straight games. Do you think he makes it four in a row? Ooh, Now uh, let me let me preface it with this. Hold on. I will give you guys this because I do want to ask about this. The weather does not look good in Cleveland. It is supposed to be in the upper thirties mixed with rain and sleet.
1: I would have to go ahead and say he probably doesn't because of the weather.
3: Stuart, the weather's been really nice the last couple of days here, but I'm going to say these guys are professionals. That weather's not going to affect them.
2: You know what, Stan? I, I, I got to go with you. I think the Raiders, for some reason, even though they can't, they're going to try to run the ball in those kind of conditions. I know yeah. they went into Cleveland last year and they did it. They knocked off the Browns. We and- can't yeah, run exactly. the ball.
3: There's no way Olson's I- going to start to run the ball. We haven't been able to run the ball a year.
2: I-, I, know. I agree. I agree. Agreed on that. Let me ask you: Who does the weather? When when you have bad weather, whether it's rain, sleet, or snow, does it? Everybody always says it favors the offense. Is is that true?
1: I wouldn't go that far. I'd say that it favors the offense. Yes. Now, I, ahead, I, I would say, go ahead, Stan. Inclement, inclement weather, to me, always favors the defense. I mean, that's why you see so many dome teams like the Saints or the Colts back when Peyton Manning was there. They struggle in January because it's inclement weather. So, to me, I think that uh that's why you see low-scoring games, teams depending on the run, things like that, uh, in those types of – I mean, sh- Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, just last Monday night, were, 10 days ago Monday night. Anytime you got inclement weather, wind, rain, sleet, snow, things like that, to me, it seemed like your favors the defense is as far as us. My experience is just watching football ever since I've been uh ever since I've been young.
3: I I just remembered something. I, I think this memory is correct. And that's the other thing, Dennis, is I as we get older, like you have to like, I'll call my friends, like, hey, did this really happen? Like, I'm remembering it. Did that happen? Yeah, that happened. If I remember that. When we went to Green Bay in December, I think you put a whole tub of Vaseline over like your entire body and had on like the like the my arms, the yes. Marion Jones, like my arms, like, yes. Body yeah. Suit. yeah, my arms, my arms, I did do
1: the Vaseline and I did do the uh God, I know what you're talking about, like the the, like
2: the
3: head, the head thing. Yes, I did. What does the Vaseline do? I, I really That's the don't first know, I've seen it too. And it, I it really don't know it. what it
1: I really don't know what it does. <laughs> I just know that some of the older guys
3: told me to do it. Some about it basically creates a layer between your skin and the cold, you know, and, and your skin kind of warms the gel up a little bit, Yeah, you know, But I just remember <laughs> out, he had a, he he had a damn hand warmer and he was just yes. Yeah, can, you can barely see like just about this much of his of his face. <laughs> now, hey, now I'll say this, right? And Stu,
1: me being from Texas, you obviously being from Michigan, man. Listen, that's the one great thing that I take with me from Green Bay, Denver, Those Kansas City, games. Pittsburgh, because I tell you this, and you already know, Stu, for up uh, for the, you did it too. Where like you wear like the uh, the half. The half sleeves, like the little black, the little half yep. black sleeves. So pretty much only about this much of our arm is, you know, exposed to the air. Exactly right there. So the thing is, DA, after Green Bay, which is maybe, you know, 11 degrees of kickoff, Kansas City, which will be sometimes if we play them in late December. Hey, it would get cold, yeah. It would get yeah, cold. There. You know, it's 12 degrees of kickoff, something like that. Cleveland 2009 was, bare, was extremely cold. From a field, even though it's only 32 degrees kickoff. But that Lake Erie and chill, the wind Oh my chill. goodness. Yeah. But I tell you, but what I'm saying though, right? I loved all that because there's nothing else that's ever cold to me. Like right now, I'm in I'm in New York City right now. It's about 46 degrees. I'm walking up and down the street. I see people with like coats on, like mm-hmm. coats, like you know, gloves. And like, dude, all I got is a hoodie on. And it's because after Green Bay, nothing will ever be cold to me again after Green Bay, like ever in life. You know what I mean? Unless I'm in like freaking Antarctica or
3: something. But uh, but no, I, I remember those times, too. I remember those. Dennis, I'm going to tell you this. I would much rather play in December in Green Bay than in August in Houston because we went down your rookie year <laughs> to Houston for two Practice days. Against- I have to I- I that heat, I we are on the field at 6 a.m. to try to beat the heat, and even then, like, I felt like I was in quick like, I my body, I just the heat, just I can't do it, man. Like,
2: you guys are practicing no outside, way, You're yeah, practicing yeah, we outside
1: are. in Houston in August, yeah, because you know, you
3: know, in the oh.
2: preseason,
1: how you'll play against a team on oh, like sure. Saturday, yeah, oh. and then you'll, you'll practice against them like that Wednesday and Thursday, but it and, and that right there, D.A., oh. D.A., hey, D.A., you're from out west. I'm from the south. Stu's from the north or the Midwest, whichever one you want to call it. That right there is different. I'll take in August. You will? You will? I'd rather rather be cold. I'd rather be cold, man. No, listen, over like Green Bay or Kansas City, (laughs) dude. I I can bundle up. I can bundle up.
3: I will take Texas heat any day of the week. Twice on Sunday. Yeah, but don't you admit there's Texas heat then there's Houston
1: heat? I mean, it's it's a I'm, to be honest with you I'll tell you like this, Stu. It actually is even hotter in Austin Gee, than than geez. Houston. Because remember, because remember, Houston is is that the water exactly. So so it's not as hot as like Austin or you know the Central Texas area. But nah, trust me, I get what you're saying. But like, but me being from Texas, I'm used to the heat. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. It just like, Stu, you from Michigan, you know, yeah, Saginaw, yeah, yeah. so like, yeah, you'll take yeah. that. But no, nah, um, I, I, I can handle the cold, but man, you give me a choice, man, give me that heat.
2: No way. I lived in Atlanta for seven years. I'd hibernate in the summers, man. Coming from California, no such thing as humidity, my friend, yep. and that yep. is just, oh, I I'd rather bundle up. I can only take so many clothes off, yep. but I could surely bundle up, man. Yeah. No, no, no. All right, Stu. I'm going to get you out of here on this. I've been asking all of our guests. It's the holiday season. I need to know, as a kid growing up, uh, what was your best Christmas present? Well, so as gone, you you're looking me. around
3: like you still might have it. No, I have. No, listen. So I have two older brothers, two older sisters, and my oldest brother. One of his deals was um, he he didn't keep anything. So when I was younger, he like like taught me like to keep like all my stuff. So I actually have I'm going to say this was probably one of my favorites right here. The old, <laughs> the old Godzilla, Godzilla, yeah. Oh, and crazy. then you remember these, I was oh, a big Digimon oh, fan. Yeah. Ninja Raphael. yeah. Raphael. Those and then if you look here I had my own little like carrying case and this this um and what's cool is my son plays with all this stuff but these are all like, all the wow. like the Ninja Turtles.
1: Wow.
2: And, okay. Look at that.
1: I love that. No, I that was, them. that was that was my favorite, cartoon. Oh yeah. You know, video game characters. Yeah, the Ninja Turtles. And then
3: now, me and my son, we we get like the Predator, <laughs> Neca action figures. We collect uh-huh. those and. Yep, so that's that's what I do, man. Yeah. I, I, I stay at home dad. I collect NECA action figures and I do all the, all the house cleaning.
2: That is fantastic. That is awesome, man. man.
1: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, man. Oh my
2: gosh, Stuart, yeah. we have a, you Stuart, can't thank be you so much for coming on, man. You have been a fantastic yeah, Stuart, guest. Seriously, you. this was so much. All fun. night
1: often and you guys do this show
2: once a week. Dude, we do it, but
1: yeah, every week. So every, you are more than Wednesday. welcome.
2: To come, anytime you want to come back and join us, seriously, you just let us know, man. All right, you heard Stewart's best Christmas present, and if you want to say goodbye to dull gifts, Lightbox lab-growing diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-growing diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in a bluish pink and a beautiful blue, as well as a classic white. Lightbox lab-growing diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they don't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. All right, Stanford, let's pick some AFC West games now, and we'll start with a Thursday night tilt. It's actually a really good game. It's the Chargers and the Chiefs.
1: Man, the Chiefs obviously are rolling right now. Chargers, they're doing their thing as well. Justin Herbert, like I've said, one of the best young quarterbacks in this game. He's going to be a budding superstar. But right now, i got to think strategically, and obviously the Chiefs are good. We all know that. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chiefs just so they can go ahead and continue their hold that they have on the AFC West right now and then go ahead and distance themselves from the Chargers because right now I think we're looking at a wild card spot if anything at all so right now we got to start thinking strategically to go ahead and get some of these other teams out of the way or so they can go ahead and they can start losing so we can start gaining on them. so I'm gonna go with the Chiefs
2: yeah I'm gonna go with the Chiefs as well Stan that defense is just playing lights out uh it has been absolutely fantastic so I'll go with the Chiefs as well on a Thursday. It's a short week, long travel uh, for the Chargers. So let's go with the Chiefs. Bengals, Broncos, Denver, two and a half point favorite at home.
1: Oh, man. That right there, I am uh, I could easily see the Broncos winning. Broncos got a good defense. We all know that. Teddy Bridgewater doesn't turn the ball over. Joe Burrow's still young. He's still up and down. He'll have a good game, then I'll have a bad game. Seems like a good game, then a bad game. So even with that right there, because right now the Bengals beat us. We need them to lose, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the Broncos just because for right now we would win the tiebreaker with the Broncos because we actually beat them head-to-head. So uh, so I'm going with the Broncos to beat the Bengals. That way we can go ahead and get this water really muddy and get everything jumbled right there together for those uh 5, 6, and 7 wild-card spots.
2: Yeah, I ain't going to go with the Bengals, Stan. I feel like the Broncos are one of those teams they beat up on the mediocre to bad teams. Anytime they face a team that's halfway decent, they lose. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals, and I do think they cover. And then finally on Saturday, uh, the Raiders-Browns. Cleveland right now is a three-point favorite, even though I'm not sure if that line is still holding with all the players that could potentially be out for Cleveland. So, Stan, are the Raiders going to, you know, turn things around and knock off Cleveland in their own backyard? What are you thinking?
1: I I, I mean, and maybe I'm stupid and naive. I just find it hard to believe that they're going to lose their third straight game, again, another three-game losing streak. And this time to be to a team that's not even going to have their starting quarterback. You know, obviously with the Washington football team, Taylor Heineke, he's been starting for a number of games ever since Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt. He even started in the playoff game last year against the Bucks. So uh, he's entrenched as a starter for the moment right now for the Washington football team. But for the Cleveland Browns, you know, you're just going to go ahead now. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be Case Keenum uh, is the uh, starting quarterback on Saturday. I just have to believe that they're going to find a way to actually quit embarrassing themselves and actually go ahead and get a W.
2: You know, I'm torn on this one, Stan. I feel like if Case Keenum is the starter, then and I do, and the Browns are missing that many players, I do like the Raiders. If Cleveland gets most of these guys back, I I don't know. I don't see the Raiders snapping this losing streak. So, you know what? I'm just going to pick the Raiders for the hell of it. Uh, three point favorites. I you know I think it'll be a close game. Not greatest uh, weather conditions, so I'll go with the Raiders, and let's see how it plays out on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, this was a fun episode. I mean, uh, yes. Stuart Schweiger was a lot of fun. I really had a great time Definitely, with this one. No,
1: that's been one of my guys for a long time, man. I was, I was happy to see him.
2: All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rapp, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin